Welcome to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. I'm D.T. Kane, author of the epic fantasy series The Agersfar Saga and The Spoken Books Uprising. Each week, I read from one of my novels, discuss my writing process, answer your questions, and have general discussions about fantasy fiction. It's like a book club, except I do all the work for you. Find show notes, info about all my novels, and much more at dtkane.com. Here's the show. Chapter 28 Baz turned the spoken book over in his hands, unsure if what he'd just done had been wise. It was probably just his imagination, or maybe the fatigue of the past days building up, but it felt heavier than usual. It was a destructive tome, full of fire spells if the cover's red and gold motif was to be trusted. "'Burn them!' Maeve said. "'What?' The books, she said in a husky tone. Baz looked up and noticed that Maeve had stepped away from the cauldron. Her eyes were closed, face pointing to the ceiling. Are you crazy? That's enough books to buy a... Gah! Someone had stepped on his foot. He glared down and to the side. It was Emma, wide-eyed and shaking her head. It's part of the ritual, she said through her teeth. So quiet, Baz had to stoop closer to hear. Haven't you ever sought the scribe's blessing? What? he hissed. No one in their right mind burns this many books. Emma gave an exasperated bob of her head at him. He'd leaned so close that her nose touched his when she did so. They held the position for a moment, both of them frozen in surprise. Then Baz took a quick step back. Emma looked away from him, running her hands down the front of her tunic as if rubbing away a wrinkle that wasn't there. All is bound by fire, Emma said, eyes darting from side to side as the crowd around them began to murmur with rising anxiety at Baz's failure to obey Maeve. Scrivnik worship, Emma said. Haven't you ever heard of the lessons? The scribe's famous writing on, well, the meaning of everything? Baz remained silent for a moment, glancing back to the cauldron. Maeve still had her eyes closed and chin raised, as if nothing was amiss. The lessons? Oggs had mentioned those back at the meeting of the snakes. I've heard of them, he said, looking back to Emma. But I thought, well, you just burn a single page or something. A single page? To bind all warriors to the course of action we're about to take? What, is there some formula for determining how many books you have to burn based on the size of the... Just do it, Baz, Emma snapped, perhaps more loudly than she'd intended. Several of the warriors closest to them glowered in their direction. You took the book, she continued, much quieter but with just as much anger and urgency. Now accept what comes after. Baz grimaced, mostly because she had a point. What had he expected? That Maeve just wanted him to hold the book for her? Spilled ink. He might be the only person in the room besides Emma who could read. Of course Maeve had intended this. In fact... Another realization dawned on him, one that gave him a sort of stomach-churning satisfaction. He'd have to decide just how, if at all, it helped him later. For now, though... 
He just had to plow forward on this path he'd chosen. Right, he said, feeling no more certain than he had before Emma's admonishment. He stepped up to the cauldron, which silenced the onlookers, and peered in. Scribes! There were almost as many books there as in Torchsire's entire library. If Deliritus knew the riches he was about to burn... Stop, you dolt! That life was gone to him now, and why should he care what Deliritus would think anyway? Holding the book's spine in one hand, he flipped it open with the snap of a wrist and began flipping through the pages. The room began to hum with quiet mumbles of excitement, as if until that point those assembled hadn't actually been certain whether he could read. He really was committed now, showing all these people what he could do. Most of the spells in the book were far too powerful for the task at hand. Some were strong enough to incinerate a building in the blink of an eye, at least, once you'd spent the time reading the dozens of pages required. But much of the skill of reading was finding a simple spell with which you could accomplish serious results. A simple candle could burn down a building given enough time or fuel. Finally, he landed on a spell that seemed to have been added almost as an afterthought, smushed into the footer of a page. A simple fire starter, not unlike what Tax had used to teach him all those years ago. Baz had to swallow hard at the thought of his brother. He grabbed hold of the words on the page with his voice, clinging to them as if they might ease the loss of his only remaining family. Out of habit, he uttered the stop room before starting. Baz spoke with an acuteness that would have made Tax proud. Channeling the rhythm of the retiree's destructive chant, the words of destruction sprang from Baz's tongue like bolts from a repeating crossbow. His lips warmed as he spoke, and as he neared the spell's end, he pointed to the cauldron and released its energy toward the books. The conflagration was stronger than Baz had anticipated, a gout of flame shooting from the cauldron's depths and scorching the ceiling. The crowd released a collective gasp, then began chattering excitedly. "'The tools of our oppression break upon our unity!' said Maeve, her eyes still closed, face pointed to the ceiling. The sudden illumination cast her features in sinister shadows. Rather than utter a preordained response, the assembled illits and speakers began to chant. It began as a slow rumbling, but gradually crescendoed. It took a few moments for Baz's ears to make sense of the myriad of voices. His brows rose when he did so, they were chanting the words Baz had just spoken. Every single person in the room, all at once. The book began to grow hot in Baz's hands, uncomfortably so. The chant rose to a fortissimo as it neared the spell's end. Ah! The book burst into flames. Baz fumbled it from hand to hand several times before half-tossing, half-swatting it into the already flaming cauldron. His hands hurt, but he was too shocked to even notice. But I read the stop rune, he said, staring with amazement at the cauldron and the swirling inferno within that was beginning to heat the room like an oven. The stop runes were only designed to stop individual treachery. Baz jumped at the unexpected voice. Maeve had finally dropped her ritualistic pose and moved to stand right beside him. As I said, she continued, our unity is our strength. Don't be a fool now and forget that. 
Baz felt his jaw coming unhinged, but was powerless to stop it. If that was true, it was nothing short of monumental. The stop runes could be overcome by a group of speakers all uttering the spell? How many did it take? There were close to fifty people in the room now, but not all of them could be destroyers. Or did that not matter? Not all the retirees were destroyers, yet they still participated in Tex's choruses of destruction. But that was different, just songs to pass the time, not actual reading. It was different, wasn't it? Suddenly it was just all too much. Lightheaded, Baz's legs wobbled, and he would have fallen had Emma not been there to steady his arm. Easy, Baz, she murmured. Her hair was already sticking to her forehead with sweat caused from the heat of the fire. It looked good like that, some distant part of Baz's mind thought. He let her hold him up and joined the rest of the room in staring at the flames as they danced over the iron kettle's rim. The initial burst of flame truly had been enormous, leaving black char marks on the ceiling. The fire died faster than Baz would have expected from the initial spark, though. When it was no more than a crumble of steaming coals, Maeve approached the cauldron once more. She stooped over it and reached in, coming away with a fistful of gray ash, then returned to stand before Baz. With this residue of our broken chains, I bind you to the exterminating angel's cause. Maeve rubbed her free hand in the soot and ran her stained fingers over Baz's forehead. Then she turned to Emma. With the residue of our broken chains, I bind you to the exterminating angel's cause. Maeve rubbed soot over Emma's forehead as well. She repeated this until she'd anointed everyone in the room. Someone let out a whooping howl. Several others returned it, and then the whole room began to sing. An aria of creation, flowing and frenetic. Some of Tax's songs with the retirees were fast-paced, but nothing like this. Baz felt like he was back on the Iron Dragon, speeding out of control down its tracks. The crowd began to dance, sweat flinging from limbs and hair as their movements matched the song's feverish pace. Baz was still in a daze, and his eyes wouldn't focus on anything, the warrior's bright clothing blurring into a menagerie of blinding colors as they whirled about. He was swept up in the crush of bodies, forced to move with them. Flailing his arms, he sought unsuccessfully to find his balance and bounced off one gyrating body and into another. Unlike earlier, though, no one seemed upset at his contact. A woman's twisting hips thrust up against his own. Baz's first instinct was to back away, but he was surrounded on all sides by hot, undulating bodies. The woman's movements rubbed up against him again. Her back was to him, but through a tangle of damp hair, she looked over her shoulder, gray eyes more alive than Baz had ever seen them. Emma grasped one of his hands, moving it to her waist and forcing them together, her back to his front. She never stopped moving, and Baz had no choice but to move with her, matching the movement of Emma's sinuous hips with his own. Soon, all thought of moving away from her left his mind. His other hand settled over her belly, pulling her closer still. Her hair was in his face, and he inhaled, feeding on the smell of her. The fire that he'd started in that cauldron was now inside him, consuming Baz in an assault of movement and song and ecstasy. 
But just like the fire, the song quickly ran its course and died away, leaving behind a residue of panting, sweaty people. Emma was still up against Baz, his arms wrapped around her, her head resting in the space between his arm and shoulder. Maeve had resumed her position in front of the cauldron, gesturing for attention. Her hair was just as sodden as everyone else's in the confined, boiling room, and one of the sleeves of her dress had slipped over her shoulder. But despite her apparent age, she emanated the energy of a woman in her prime. There is much to celebrate, brothers and sisters, and while there is yet still much work to be done, the scribes have smiled on us and brought us not one, but two gifts. She motioned at Baz and Emma. Emma was still breathing heavily, and Baz could feel the rise and fall of her chest where his arm wrapped around her waist. He found himself wishing all these other people weren't here. As his mind was lost in such thoughts, he barely even acknowledged Maeve's words. But their gift, Maeve continued, surpasses their mere presence and support of our cause. They have come here on a task that could quicken our victory, deal the crushing blow the oppressors have so long deserved. Baz's mind was still wandering, wondering if Emma would notice if he slipped a finger or two under the hem of her shirt to caress her fiery skin. But a small part of his thoughts were beginning to shout in alarm, and he finally looked up and saw that same self-satisfied set to the edge of Maeve's eyes that she'd had when she'd named him Dragon Rider. They've discovered the location of the Declaimer's transcendence, Maeve proclaimed to the crowd, and they're here to recover it. Hello, friends. Welcome back to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. Today is January 15th, 2023, as I record this, which is episode 24 of season 2 of the podcast, and episode number 51 overall. Hope you are all uh, settling in to the new year here. Um, as I have said in the newsletter, I am, uh, I am posing a question of the week this week, or this year, uh, in each of my newsletters, and I guess I'll read them on the podcast here as well. I'm looking to get some more uh, interaction with all of you out there, so feel free to submit your answers to dtkane at dtkane.com, uh, and I'll be sharing uh, some uh, answers each week to the previous week's uh, questions. You could also uh, join up at the newsletter uh, join up the <laughs> join up for the newsletter. Uh, you can go to dtkane.com to sign up for that, and the questions of the week will be in there as well, along with answers and any photos people submit. Uh, last week, my question uh, was, uh, "What books did you all receive uh, for the holidays?" Got a few great responses. Uh, Kay uh, from uh, the BookTube show Kay's Hidden Shelf, which is a a good show. You should check that out. Uh, she got some uh, beautiful-looking uh, books from H.C. Uh, Newell, uh, Curse of the Fallen and the Forbidden Realms. Uh, just based on the covers, I think I might need to, to check those out. Um, she also got copies of Declaimer's Flight and Declaimer's Stand in, uh, in paperback. Uh, so uh, glad to see uh, someone using some of their, <laughs> their Christmas money on some of my own books. Thanks for submitting that, Kay. 
Robert over on the Facebook group got a, a, a you know a, a eclectic mix of books here. Uh, Elric of uh, Melnibone. I yeah I've heard of that, but it's by, it's by Moorcock, uh, the Elric saga. Uh, the first volume of that. Uh, also got a copy of Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss, uh, the 10th anniversary edition, with the, the angry blowing wind face on the uh, on the cover of it. Uh, and then uh, The Forgetting Moon by uh, Durfee, Brown Lee Durfee. Uh, and then a book about uh, Russian history from 1917 to 1921. Um, and then uh, Ed Poole over on Twitter said he was accidentally k- gifted a copy of Ancillary Justice by Anne Leckie. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what made it accidental, but uh, <laughs> his photo of it has a post-it note on it that says, whoops, so... <laughs> I thought that was pretty amusing. And uh, Ancillary Justice is also a book that I uh, got with uh, some of my Christmas money. I intend to be reading that later this year, so thought I would include that. Uh, all right, uh, this week's question is, what books uh, are you most looking forward to reading this year? And uh, no bonus points for answering Into the Dragon's Maw, which is uh, the forthcoming fifth installment of the Spoken Books Uprising. So, so be honest here. Let me know which books you're most looking forward to in the coming year. Uh, again, you can uh, email your answers to me, dtkane at dtkane.com, uh, and go ahead and uh, head over to dtkane.com to sign up for the newsletter so you uh, see all the answers and photos each week. Um, in addition to uh, <laughs> the question of the week, uh, you'll also see all of my photos of the week. I've been sharing my favorite photos from last year, the past couple weeks, and uh, we'll have some new photos for you to see next week. And I, of course, also do my fantasy quote of the week each week, um, which you'll get to see uh, in the newsletter along with the essay that I write about that. Uh, Just uh, right before we get to that, um, I am uh, plugging away on uh, my edits to Into the Dragon's Maw, again, part five of the Spoken Books Uprising. Uh, I'm on to part three. So I, I may finish my edits this week, and then my editor will have it and be giving it a nice proofread and looking for continuity issues. And then, uh, you know, I'll uh, address any of her suggestions and, you know, probably give it a final readover. And I don't have a firm release date yet, but I'm hoping, you know, sometime in the first half of March that'll be out and um, cover reveal to come in probably the next couple weeks in the newsletter. So yet another reason to sign up for the newsletter so you can be one of the first to see the cover um okay uh, other than that that's pretty much all for updates so let's move on here to the quote of the week this one is a uh, another one submitted by uh, jan so <laughs> thanks for all of your participation jan you make my life easier instead of having to seek out quotes uh, you know i can just use the ones that are submitted to me so so that's great and uh you know as always if you have a quote from a favorite fantasy book uh, or even if it's not your favorite book, but it's one of your favorite quotes from a fantasy story or science fiction, you know, we'll expand the expand our horizons here. Uh, you can email that to me, dtkane at dtkane.com, and I may feature it in a, uh, a future uh, quote of the week section. Uh, okay, so this week's quote comes from Soman Chainani. Uh, Sorry, I'm sure I'm, I'm, sure I'm butchering that, but uh, it's from uh, the book The Last Ever After, which is... Uh, Book three of The School for Good and Evil, which I believe is a television show now. Um, And here's the quote. 
You could even say that readers are the one force in our world more powerful than me. Because as long as there are readers who believe in good's power over evil, good will still win, even if I obliterate every kingdom in the woods. Because there will always be readers, no matter what I do. Readers who put their faith in the old stories, passing them down forever and ever, keeping good alive beyond my control. Um, yeah, so, uh, you can probably see why I like this. It's about reading and, and books, and you know, he even capitalizes readers. I, I'm assuming that's from the, I didn't have an actual copy of the book, but Jan copied readers, so I think that's how it is in the text as well. Uh, but uh, here, uh, Chinani strikes at the heart of the tragedy in the spoken books uprising. In the land of oration, the readers have, perhaps ironically, given their name, withheld literacy from a vast swath of the population. To strive for a better way of life, one must first appreciate the experiences of their fellow human beings. Yet, without the written word, the spread of ideas is nearly impossible, which favors which favors those who would oppress others. As I've said so many times before, that is the beauty and power of reading. It entertains, it teaches, and it can even liberate. Just as Baz has used his forbidden power of reading in the spoken book's uprising to lead a rebellion against the triumvirate's plutocracy, so too should we use the power to remain educated and demand better from the world around us. It's said that knowledge is power, but if that is true, then reading is the energy source. Keep yourself fueled. All right, and again, that uh, was submitted by Jan. So, as always, thanks, Jan, for uh, for your participation in the newsletter and the show here. Um, and I think that's all we have uh, for this week. I know a little bit of a shorter episode here, but we'll be back next week reading Chapter 29 of Declaimer's Discovery. I think that's probably... Yeah, chapter 9 is a pretty lengthy one, so just chapter 29. Oh boy, it's a quite a long one. <laughs> I'll have my work cut out for me next week. Uh, but that's okay. Um, so until next time, this has been D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. Thanks for listening to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. If you liked today's episode please consider rating and reviewing wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, give this video a thumbs up if you liked it and hit that subscribe button and the bell so you get notified whenever new episodes become available. If you'd like to listen to back episodes or review the show notes, visit dtkane.com podcast. D.T. Kane's novels are available for purchase at most major online retailers, or you can purchase directly from his website at www.dtkane.com slash books. You can receive a free short story and sign up for D.T. Kane's mailing list at dtkane.com slash email dash sign up. If you'd like to connect, you can find D.T. Kane on Facebook at D.T. Kane Author or Twitter at D.T. Kane Author or send D.T. Kane an email at dtkane at dtkane.com. See you next week.